Welcome to Industry Leaders Journey, where we explore the lives and careers of conscious leaders who are making a positive impact on this world while they transform the supply chain and procurement business. My name is Su Shem. Marcelo Scaccelli is responsible for more than $6 billion of spend for all food and refreshment categories at Unilever. Working for one of the most purpose-driven companies in the world, Marcelo found his calling, and he says his personal purpose is enjoying the journey as much as the destination. I can't wait. Let's begin this journey. Hi, Marcelo. How are you? Good to see you again today. Hey, so all good. And you? Everything all right? Yes, yeah. good. Where are you today? I'm actually in Brazil today, uh, oh. flying to yeah, flying to Rotterdam tonight. Oh, yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. I remember you moved in the middle of a pandemic last year or something like this from Brazil yeah. to uh, uh, Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's something. So I, I actually, let's talk about a little bit of your background. So your name looks like Italian, and but you yeah. are actually Brazilian, yeah. but you look yeah. for work in uh, Holland. Yeah, a little bit of a mix. Look, uh, my family come, came uh, from Italy to Brazil to start a cheese business here in Brazil. So uh, since uh, very young, I'm, I'm very connected uh, to these agricultural, you know, and dairy background. Uh, so it's really a topic that is very close to my uh, story, my childhood. So indeed, you know, it's a little bit of a mix of everything. Family coming from Italy, growing up in Brazil, working in Switzerland and now in Netherlands. So it's a, it's a very good example of uh, how the supply chains and the, 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 and the roads are becoming more and more connected all over. So yeah, it's, it's the reason why we have these, I have this Italian name, you know, oh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. why. Yeah. And then, and you know that you are actually the head of a food, uh, food division of, uh, uh, head of Pokemon food division in Unilever. So mm-hmm. there's a good connection with the cheese and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. So I'm really uh, excited to learn more about uh, uh, your journey yeah. and how to, how you got here. And personally, Unilever is uh, such a big, uh, a, a big company, but not only just big, it's really impactful when it comes to sustainability. Uh, I'm sure everybody in the world is using some product from Unilever. And so I, I think it's really exciting today. I get to talk to you about yeah. uh, your role and then what Unilever is actually doing when it comes to sustainability and supply chain. So how did you start in Unilever, like beginning? Like you've been there, yeah. how long? How long have you been there? Yeah, almost 20 years. Uh, wow. So uh, a long journey indeed, you know. I started in, the, in Brazil in this uh, management trainee program uh, that we have. So straight from the university uh, into Unilever uh, and all the time in supply chain. So throughout uh, these years, I've done almost every, every supply chain role. So planning, logistics, uh, contract manufacturing, regional, local, global roles. Um, And it's great in Unilever. Unilever really allows you to try to learn to work on different parts of the supply chain. And recently, not so recently, but six years ago, I made this shift uh, from the, 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 what we call the supply chain to procurement. Although procurement is part of the supply chain, but we call, you know, different functions. And first running the procurement and responsibility for Brazil, then Latin America. And from that time, you know, in, in procurement, I, I, I really enjoy it so much that one of the career conversations 
was about staying in procurement and 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 you know doing uh, other parts of the procurement organization. So then came this opportunity to run a global portfolio that we call Naturals. And in Naturals, we have everything that is related to soft commodities, uh, liquid oils, uh, ingredients. Uh, so this agro-related portfolio, uh, including palm, Mm-hmm. And it resonates a lot with the previous story that I that I mentioned to you, you know, the way I spend a good time in my childhood with uh, very close to these activity. Mm-hmm. And now being back uh, to run this part of the portfolio for Unilever and also uh, take care of the nutrition uh, uh, part of the business. Uh, it's It's super cool. It's very nice to be in this space nowadays. Of course, there is a, a, a long list of challenges that I think we are going to have the, the chance to talk a little bit more later today. But yes, that's that's how I, I started and built uh, this career. So I kind of a supply chain professional now enjoying this part of the supply chain called procurement. And in, I would say in the, in the best possible moment to be in procurement, given everything that's going on. Yeah. Oh my God. That's awesome. So like how it's kind of really connecting your roots and then uh, family values into your career uh, and finding the purpose into it. So that's cool. Um, So then uh, let's a little bit get into this culture of Unilever because it's uh, definitely most wanted and sought after companies by the new graduates these days in the world. Why? Why do all these uh, young people want to work for Unilever? What is your perspective yeah. uh, on this, you know, culture? That's a very, very good question, Sue. And I think it 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 comes with these very, you know, trendy conversation about purpose and what the young generations they want to do, you know, from a professional perspective. Look, I think I think in my opinion there is a combination of two or three factors. You know, first of all, first of all, I think Unilever has has great brands, you know, uh, very famous and, and, and brands that are full of purpose. You know, if you see the way Dove is talking about, you know, a beauty, the way uh, Ben and Jerry's uh, talks about, you know, ingredients and, and uh, almost a style of, of living and, and values that uh, the brand believes to be very strong. If you see Many other brands, you know, they are talking about waste, they are talking about uh, beauty, they are talking about nutrition, they are talking about, you know, helping the planet. So when you create this association between brands and a very clear purpose, I think it checks the box Mm -hmm. for this new generation, not only for for them, but also for us, uh, not as as new as the young ones uh, joining the the organization. So I think this this is definitely one reason. I think the second reason uh, is that Unilever gives you uh, many opportunities to work across different functions, different projects, different uh, geographies uh, sometimes. And it's very good for the development. It's very good for learning. It's very good, you know, to develop yourself, mainly when you are at the early stage of your career, you know, because the, the more you are exposed to the, the different set of projects, the different uh, opportunities to work in diff- to work on different things, I think it helps a lot. So I think when we put you know strong brands full of purpose, uh, plus the development opportunities, plus a very clear ambition in the sustainability in the social space, 
you know, so our ambition to, you know, uh, rethink the use of plastic, our ambition to reduce the greenhouse gases, our ambition to guarantee we are having everybody uh, who is engaged in our supply chain to be uh, getting fair living wages, uh, you know, at a certain point uh, in this journey, when we put all these commitments full of purpose, or uh, deforestation-free supply chain by 2023, uh, we have, you know, I believe all the ingredients uh, for a recipe that the young generations, the young professionals, they like a lot. It was exactly like, let's say, what caught my attention 20 years ago as well. Wow, that's so amazing. Like uh, my face is like lightening up as you are here because uh, I, I would definitely want to work for that kind of company too. And uh, it's you guys are really making the impact on planet and people, purpose-driven company. And uh, I want to learn more about how you really walk in the talk. This is not just greenwashing. This is not just marketing advertising. And then uh, you actually, people like in the supply chain, uh, your folks in procurement actually doing certain things to make this thing possible, right? So let's talk a little bit on that. Yeah. Um, so I heard about your detergent uh, brand, uh, Almighty. I think it's something like this in my one of my courses I'm taking in Harvard, uh, um, the strategy course. And uh, it gave a really good example uh, how Unilever launched this new product design that, that basically the big detergent became smaller compact version and then the impact it created in the environment and, and then also employees of uh, retailers and, and so on and so on. So can you give me a little bit more details on what, how does that happen? And then what was the role of maybe your procurement and supply chain in that uh, lo product launch? Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a very good case. And I'm happy to hear that you are studying this case, you know, in, in, in your course in, a, in, in Harvard, because look, it, it's, it's a very good example. And one example among many that, you know, we, we walk the talk rethinking the supply chain, but, but most importantly, thinking about providing solutions for the consumers as well. So if we, if we think about, you know, these big bottles of detergents, nobody likes to be carrying these, you know, uh, uh, from the, the, the supermarket to your home, or if you get a delivery, you know, to handle this big, this big bottle. So we thought, hey, look, at the end of the day, we could do something differently in, in this space. So... First of all, we brought a, a very interesting uh, technology developed between our R&D and a supplier R&D that could handle the viscosity when you are diluting or concentrating a liquid. Uh, so it was, let's say, something that was designed and thought and initiated in the, let's say, in the upstream of the value chain. Mm -hmm. So look, if we have this technology and if we can provide a different experience for consumer, then we have the magic to redesign, you know, the middle of this value chain as well. So by the time we concentrate the detergent, we use less plastic, we use less water, we use less CO2 emissions because we are transporting, you know, more washes in only one truck. Right. So it's a, it's a combination and it, it's very insightful because it's a combination of a new technology plus sustainable setup or sustainable design of the supply chain, water, uh, gases, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, 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 the plastic, you mm -hmm. know, and, and everything uh, directly applied in the product. 
with a solution that is at the end of the day easier to be used mm -hmm. for a consumer that is more and more concerned about you know the way we are handling and the way we are managing the natural resources of the planet and if we also include you know the, the customer so the trade the retail in this equation to really have an end-to-end -end look for them it's great as well because they need less storage space they need less space in, on the shelf so so look it's a complete solution uh, from suppliers into consumers uh, that proves and show and shows that look it's possible to redesign supply chains towards a much more effective and green uh, supply chain than, than than we had in the past not to mention the reformulation and the ambition let's say to use or to eliminate uh, let's say all the fossil fuel uh, dependent ingredients uh, that we have in our roadmap and our journey as well. So it's about inside, outside, consumer suppliers, and this kind of examples uh, make us make us very happy and to show that it's possible to do something different. Right. And then what was interesting for me when I was learning about this case is that actually it was highlighting the collaboration between also a retailer like Walmart and the Unilever jointly launching this. So it just shows that actually power of these uh, multinational big companies, what we can do and reinventing the uh, almost the whole sector industry the category almost so that uh, uh, it forced everybody else to follow basically you you are the innovator you started so everybody else has to do now small compact size <laughs> the whole thing got yeah, yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you are right you are you are very very right because sometimes it's all about you know showing others and showing consumers and showing other retailers and other industry that look it's possible and by the time you have these new ways of using the materials and the products then the magic happens right. so you're absolutely right it's yeah. a matter of showing that it's possible to be done differently right right mm -hmm. and i think that's the thing about the sustainability often we think about it's more expensive to reinvent it maybe make it like smaller make it cost more so we are afraid of business case and uh, you know green premium they call it green premium right but then uh, Ultimately, we have business case. We can create the profit and then while we're doing good for people and planet, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's a very good point because uh, it's usually a kind of, a, of a, you know, a barrier in many projects, you know, because, okay, if you think small scale, if you think differently, hey, look, it might be perceived as a, as a more expensive, but... But then exactly to, to your previous uh, point, so then comes the collaboration, then comes the, you know, the way you design the product, the way you try to change, you know, the, the setup of the supply chain, because then it becomes effective. Okay, in the very short term, you might need a little bit of an investment, you might need a little bit of, you know, uh, uh, time to transform and to, to, to teach people to do it in a more effective way mm -hmm. but once you get it done and you get the scale uh it should be actually the way to to run business and not uh, an isolated parallel way uh, right yeah. you're absolutely right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i want to actually go a little bit deeper on that the product design part and you mentioned mm -hmm. in the uh, top of the value chain how you work with the suppliers so this is where probably the role of procurement comes in right so tell me a little bit on what's the contribution of your procurement to the product innovation in Unilever? No, it's, a, it's a very good point as well, because look, we are only one company, you know, and we have outside our network almost 50,000 suppliers. 
So this is basically one reason to make us think the following. Uh, we are convinced that outside, just because of the number of suppliers and just because of the expertise that many suppliers develop on specific materials and specific markets, there is a long list of potential innovations. There is a long list of potential new technologies out there in the market. And if we don't humbly look at these to say, hey, look, there might be others innovating better than us, we will be definitely losing an opportunity. So it's, it's a mindset in our procurement organization to look outside mm -hmm. and to understand that, look, the technology, the, 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 you know, the design, the, the new products, the new solutions are there. And if we open the doors and if we put a right mindset uh, to create this connection and to say, hey, look, you know what? If you have a big technology, if you have an interesting innovation, bring it to us because we can then leverage, we can then you know, increase the scale and we can set up the right commercials to grow together. Mm -hmm. So this is about the mindset, you know, the mindset of understanding that the innovation is happening outside. Okay, we do have the internal innovation, the R&D, the research, but it's just a matter of size and scale. You know, we right. have almost 50,000 suppliers outside thinking and, and working on, on their areas of expertise right. every single day. And then it's up to procurement to create this connection so we can be the the, 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 the customer of choice from the suppliers to, to bring these innovations and these opportunities. And then together we can translate this new technology into right. new products. So, so yes, I think a procurement has a critical role in this space because at the end of the day, we are the area connecting to suppliers, you know, making these links, uh, right. bringing to suppliers what we call the, the divisions and the brands demands mm -hmm. so they can know about it. And right. knowing about these, they can then tell us what's coming. Right. And that's why we have what we call these uh, partnership with purpose uh, ways of working with suppliers. Right. In uh, I totally get it because actually my background in SAP, uh, I used to be part of an alliances organization and that's mm -hmm. basically business development. And uh, I'm not managing supplier, but it's the exact same concept. I'm managing basically partners, scouting the right partners who can expand our functionalities and then with the new technologies, right? And uh, become very strategic part of uh, business development. So yeah, procurement becoming that strategic role uh, of business yeah. development. That's cool. Yeah. All right. I want to also ask you about a little uh, experience compared to your uh, experience in Latin America versus Europe. So, mm -hmm. so what did you learn while you're uh, while you're doing the business in Brazil? And uh, how uh, like I'm sure it's different, a little bit different uh, supply chain, different challenges. Um, what did you learn from it, and how does that help you to learn uh, run now global uh, procurement? Yeah, yeah. Now it's an interesting comparison, you know. I think first of all there is a big uh, economic differences. So the the volatility and the the speed of the events, you know, in a in an emerging economy versus a stable uh, environment is is by design different. Although uh, all the globe is becoming very volatile nowadays, you know. But but historically speaking, <laughs> the 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 overall environment of Brazil and Latin America, 
uh, they have been very, very volatile for of, you know, economic crisis, social issues and, and etc. So I think it brings a kind of a economic and commercial acumen mm -hmm. that can be very much useful when you are running a, a global role and when you are working out of, out of Europe. So you, you learn how to get used with some restrictions and some crises that you can then convert into uh, a dynamic ways of working in other regions such as Europe or when you are running a, a global organization such as uh, this position now. So I think this is one. There are also other differences. So when we look at the trade structure, you know, when you look at the, the channels, when we look at the way the companies, they do business, it's it's also a, a difference, you know, and, and, and you have many, many, many realities within Brazil, many realities in within Latin America. And so this very, this very diverse background, this very diverse trade setup, this very diverse economic environment somehow helps you and teach, and, and teach you on how to replicate or how to face some challenges in the, in the current uh, landscape that we have that for me is very, is very useful. Uh, so we have, in a nutshell, economic differences, social differences, uh, trade differences. But at the end of the day, at the same time, you know, the world is more, is more and more connected. Uh, so you have, you know, the changes happening in a super fast mm -hmm. pace, uh, influences and trends going from one place to another place very quickly. Just mm -hmm. look at the transformation we are having in the with all these uh, digital economy and also in the integration space, the digital integration space with suppliers and with customers. And in this space, I know you know much more than I do, you know, <laughs> uh, from, from SAP, but, but the speed of change is just, you know, getting faster and faster and the transformation is there. So I believe the more we can bring this flexibility and the more we can bring how you get used to these changes, uh, the better. And, and that's uh, what I try to use from my background into this current okay. role nowadays. You know? I kind of assume you must have learned how to breathe in this environment. <laughs> so like, you know, dealing with the crisis, so that, you know, can be calm in the middle of chaos. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, yeah, and we, we have, and together with this comes uh, the responsibility, you know, the way we, we, we organize the team, the way we engage with the stakeholders and, Look, the crisis is out there, mm -hmm. so let's not let's not allow the crisis to go into your organization, and mm -hmm. and so we can fight only one crisis, you know, right, fight right, right. only what is outside. You're yeah. right. Yeah. What what is your quickly um what is your perspective currently? How do you feel about uh, inflation going crazy? And then of course mm -hmm. uh, you are in Europe, especially probably feeling more about this uh, disruption mm -hmm. with the uh, Russia war. Yeah. What what what's your sense? Yeah, look, I think uh, I think we will need to to work with with a different reality. I I don't believe it will go away very easily, and it will it will not go away uh, fast uh, mm -hmm. because we are facing some structural changes in the way we think sourcing, in the way we think supply chains. Because you know you have a combination of many restrictions, and again when you add to the restrictions, the, the volatility, when you add the, the inflation coming from all these restrictions, it's, it's definitely a, a new reality. But instead of looking at these through a pessimistic lenses, 
I think it's a, it's a big opportunity uh, for the companies to review some ways of working, to review some strategies. And I think it's more than ever the moment where we will need to think even higher about the way we source, the way we manage the supply chain, just because if you are in a restricted world, mm. you need to be more effective and even more sustainable on the decisions you do. So if we look, instead of looking through a crisis lenses, we, we look uh, as a, uh, through an opportunity. I think this is the landscape to accelerate mm -hmm. some changes to accelerate uh, the, the, the change in the ways of working, the change on the way we source, the change mm -hmm. on the way we do decisions about supply chain and global setups. Uh, so I, I don't believe it will go away faster. Mm -hmm. I do believe we will need to leave with the fact mm -hmm. that the pace is getting faster and faster. And for me, the only, let's say, ingredients to fight these uh, new situation is thinking strategically the way we, we run our supply chain, think strategically the way we want to accelerate the sustainability element into the supply chains, mm -hmm. think strategically and very big and bold the way we are connecting the links, you know, and connecting the parts of the supply chain because you cannot navigate this system without, you know, a very good info flow mm -hmm. going in and out. So these are the things that I would believe will be benefits uh, for the organizations uh, if we can overcome this consolidation of crisis at the same moment in such a way we can then handle at least once, you know, or one per per uh, one per month or one per quarter, you know, crisis instead of yeah. managing all together such as we are having nowadays. Right, right, yeah. And always uh, this crisis and uh, this moment creates uh, heroes and winners. And uh, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. yeah definitely the, the leadership mindset like yours definitely creates that, right? The success yeah. and the win story. So on that note, actually, I want to a little bit touch upon the, the role of uh, our um, corporations within the industry, how we collaborate or compete. And, uh, you know, when it comes to ESG, and sustainability topics. What what do you think? Uh, why do you think cooperation is cooperation uh, within the industry is more necessary? Yeah. Oh, actually, it will be critical because look, if you see all the the ESG commitments, and if we see the size of the challenge we have ahead, you know, to deliver everything that needs to be delivery. So it's not only about the commitments, it's about the needs that we have, you know? So we have the needs, then we commit, and then we go there and deliver. It's impossible to do it alone. Because look, if we do a quick exercise, no single company alone has the scale, the leverage, or the dominance to do any change alone. Mm -hmm. So in every single market we look at, we need collaboration. Even in the markets where we have a big concentration, you know, few, very few players, no one dominates it alone. So right. the collaboration is needed and the collaboration has to be there for a couple of reasons. One is to have the scale, mm -hmm. you know, so you can really have the impact from the changes you are applying. You know, mm -hmm. so if you don't have the scale, if you don't have the collaboration, then the impact will be somehow limited. Right. Of course, it doesn't mean that you don't have to do your own part. You know, you need to do your own part, mm -hmm. your own piece, and then, of course, collaborate to have the scale. So this is one. Then there is a second one that is the fact that 
the changes are happening in a pace that is much faster than the regulation or the clarification of KPIs and ways of working are taking place. So if we don't collaborate, if we don't get together to help, you know, thinking about what's the regulation, what is the, how the game will be played, how we can work together with, you know, NGOs and governments to decide what's the most impactful and feasible way of tackling one specific challenge, then it takes too long. And I don't have this time anymore to spare. You know, we need the action taking place now and taking place with big impact. So that's the second reason why we should have collaboration to put the parts together. So back to my point number one, we have the scale and we have the impact, mm -hmm. uh, strong impact to drive the change. Yeah. With that said, what what do you like to what do you hope to achieve from like like my like mind leaders like you within our think tank, food and beverage think tank, for example? Where? Yeah, I think that the think tank is a great initiative. I, I want to highlight it because uh, one of the big challenges is to create the coordination, is to create you know the, to put the people together, to put the companies together, and I think initiatives such as the think tank is is very. Is very powerful because we, we bring the companies together, we bring the leaders together. And then a couple of achievements I think we 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 will get from, from this initiative. First of all, is is of course the most basic one that is to create a network, you know, to create a, to put the companies together, to put the, the leaders together and and then create a common platform that can be used by the companies to try and accelerate and drive the change. I think this is one. The second one, as I mentioned briefly before, in many elements of the ESG agenda, we still have different metrics. We still have different ways of looking at the problems, mm -hmm. uh, the challenges. So by the time we have everybody together and we can progress on common definitions, common metrics and common KPIs, mm -hmm. we will accelerate, we will speed up the, the delivery of the results because we start removing the hurdles, we start removing the barriers that we have right. that might slow down the, the, the definitions, the actions and the commitments. So I can only see benefits when we put you know, the, the industries and the, the, the professionals together in such a way they can clean up the pathway to yeah. speed up what needs to be speed up, speeded up. Yeah, you know? speed and scale. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is your current most exciting and ambitious uh, project that you're proud uh, to work on? Yeah, no, the, 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 the most ambitious and the, the, the thing that is making us very proud nowadays, our regenerative agriculture industry uh, agenda. Uh, so we, it's an evolution from uh, the traditional uh, sustainable sourcing program that we launched 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So uh, we achieved very high levels, you know, of sustainable, uh, sustainably sourced materials over the last 10 years. And now comes the regenerative agricultural concept that is really about impact on livelihoods, impact on soil, impact in water in impact in organic matter and biodiversity in the way our suppliers they deal with the with the crops and with mm -hmm. the agricultural activity so this is the most exciting area nowadays so we have a, a pipeline of more than 50 initiatives uh, so 50 crops 50 suppliers 50 regions where we want to completely rethink the agricultural activities 
And it's not only a pipeline. What makes me very excited to your, to your question is the fact that for the initial places and crops where we started applying this concept of regenerative agriculture, and it's a, pub, a public document available at Unilever.com website, we are seeing very strong initial results you know, on the way on yields, on use of water and quality of soil. So just to mention, you know what, we have a, a very big initiative in India on tomatoes, fantastic improvement of the quality of the material, the livelihood and the condition of the people and the families engaged on this agricultural activity. If we then move to soybean in US, you know, with uh, cover crops in for the soybean, uh, let's say, uh, for the soybean uh, materials, uh, that material that we use for mm -hmm. the soybean oil that goes into our mayonnaise business, Hellman's business, you know, uh, cover crop, covered crop showing that the results for the soil biodiversity use of water is, is, is they are amazing. Mm -hmm. You know, the benefits we are getting there. When we think about vegetables in Europe with our suppliers in France, mm -hmm. so it's not only about what is about to come, which is great you know because it's important as i mentioned to have a strong pipeline but when we see the regenerative agriculture principles being applied already with many suppliers across the globe and when we see the initial results it it brings a big confidence for us that it's possible to be done right that it's possible to to grow crops and to increase productivity with a much better set of results for the environment. So right. this is currently what is making me very excited about what is possible in the world of procurement, in the world of how to, to you know, make a better planet in terms of sustainability. I yeah. am really, really excited and yeah. proud of you and yeah. Unilever doing this because uh, like, you know, last year Think Tank, we studied a lot about the farmers and regenerative yeah. agriculture. While we're doing yeah. that, I actually learned a lot myself too. And uh, yeah. it's one of the biggest fact, uh, the sector that we need to tackle to yeah. reduce the CO2 opportunities. Yeah. Not only that, it's just it's the environment where we live and, and the food yeah. we eat yeah. and it just impacts us. Oh yeah. my God, I'm so happy to hear that. Just yeah. like a detergent, you guys are gonna push yeah. and then yeah. <laughs> you guys are yeah. gonna lead the whole industry to follow. Yeah. Then all the farmers are gonna be well-fed well. Fed well. <laughs> so yeah. this is good, this is good. All right. And if I go back to your previous question, just to make the link, you know, I think it's another example that it's possible to be more productive. Mm -hmm. It's possible to be competitive while doing you know, agricultural and crops activities in a different way right. and hope we can get more and more partners uh, with us in, in this journey and, and expand it. Also in such a way, the brands can tell the consumers mm -hmm. that it's possible. So Hellman's uh, in US, Kisan in, in India, Knorr in Europe, because the consumers, they like to know Right. Uh, what they are getting from where with what kind of, you know, activity, agricultural activities. So it's important to tell consumers because they are the ones that will leverage the movement if they start asking for more and more of this. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yes. OK, so I think this is a good time to ask you, like, what's your personal purpose and then how does it align with your career? Yeah, no, my personal purpose is really to, to, to build bridges, to connect people, connect companies, and more specifically, a, a more intimate purpose is to enjoy the journey as much as, or as, much as the destination. Mm 
I think uh, sometimes we speed up and we focus a lot on what what is the destination, what is the end game, yeah. and we forget to enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. How you are doing these and the people and the companies and the suppliers and that you are meeting along the way. So so for me, my purpose is really to build these bridges, put the people, put the companies together, unlock this potential and enjoy this journey as much as the destination, you know. So otherwise, how can we overcome these long list of challenges that we have? <laughs> so this has been my my purpose, let's say, outside and inside. And, and I think this procurement position and the way Unilever is running the, the procurement is really fulfilling this uh, personal purpose. And so that's why I believe 20 years went like this, you know, yeah. and it looks like it was another day when I first joined in, in Brazil. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it sounds perfect. It's exactly, yeah, it's called joyful efforts we are making. And uh, yeah. that's why I love to do this uh, industry leaders journey podcast because it's all about the journey. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You're right about it. Yeah. And uh, one last one I wanted to highlight. I heard that uh, you also give back to the society a different way. You teach. When do you have time to teach? (laughs) (laughs) I use it to do this more in the past, but I'm still keeping this activity. I'm teaching in two business school MBA programs, uh, one in the space of operations and the other one in the space of microeconomics Mm -hmm. uh, where my passion is, you know, and it's full of procurement, Uh you know, connection as well. Uh, yes, I think it's actually a, a great opportunity. You mentioned to give back. Actually, I'm not sure if it's only give back. You learn more than you give when you are in contact <laughs> with so brilliant professionals from different industries. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a great exchange, you know. So, mm-hmm. okay, you bring a little bit of your experience, but you also learn and, and facilitate the, the conversation and and I was reflecting here when I was hearing you so many connections, you know, with what we have been talking, you know, the way you, you think supply chains, connections, partnerships and, and your purpose. So, yes, that's an activity that I, I like a lot. In the past, I have to tell you, I had a little bit more time, but I still keep it just because I think it's a, it's a good way to be connected and to get to know more people and to learn. So uh, very motivating as well. That's good. Yeah. Keep teaching. Thank you for sharing your experiences and, um, you know, inspiring others. That's great. Thanks. So let's finish this with a sentence. I am optimistic. I'm optimistic about what we can do. Uh, We can drive the change. Uh, And this is all about us. You know, it's not about others. So I'm optimistic about what we can do. There is a way to sort it out. I love that this is about us. Exactly. It's about us. (laughs) Super. Fantastic. Uh, Marcelo, this was really wonderful. Thank you for sharing all your uh, stories from your journey. And uh, I learned a lot about the exciting initiatives and projects you guys are working on in Unilever. I'm very optimistic as well. All right. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. It's great to be here with you. Great conversation. Thanks, Sue. Effective leadership requires us to engage our head, hands, and heart. Head is how you think about solving problems. Hands are the skills that you need to accomplish the challenges you face. Heart is finding the hope and courage to proceed and inspiring others to act. Marcelo seems fulfilled with his career, and I can see why. He's using all these three, his head and hands and heart. 
Thanks for joining us on this episode of Industry Leaders Journey. This series is produced by the Industry Value Chain team at SAP, where we are committed to making the world run better and improving people's lives. For more information and to access all of our podcasts, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Ariba.com.